Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. We thank you for joining us today. We're going to talk a little bit about the faith, because the timeless faith is what provides the foundation for your family life to basically go on through the generations, a legacy of faith. But today's broadcast is a little bit unique. I find myself in the, um, the difficult position of being a communicator and a broadcaster, but I literally could not find the right words for what I wanted to communicate today. I have to confess, I even went to the thesaurus and I tried to find words that would properly express what I'm feeling, but I couldn't. And so I basically come up with a little different strategy today. And might, you might ask yourself, what in the world uh, is causing your condition, Steve? Well, it's this. I saw a picture, I believe it was from LifeSite News, that a statue of Martin Luther was brought into the Vatican and given a place of honor in recognition of the 499th anniversary of Luther's revolt or reformation, depending on how you look at it. Need to give you a little background, particularly of those of you who may be new listeners to faith and family, but I'm a clergy convert to Catholicism. I was a Protestant evangelical minister, and previous to my becoming a Catholic, I thought Luther was a great guy, a fantastic guy. I read his commentaries. I vigorously promoted his faith alone theory of justification. I even organized Reformation Day parties for my congregation. Uh, at these parties, we showed the old black and white uh, movie on Luther. And I have to confess, we sometimes even dressed up in costumes so that we could resemble the outfits that the Protestant leaders wore. Yet, when I professed faith, the faith of the Catholic Church before my bishop upon entering the Catholic Church, I realized rather deeply that I was leaving Martin Luther, John Calvin, and the other reformers behind. I had come to recognize that the Bible along with the teachings of the church fathers, were at odds with Reformation theories. And on a personal level, on the steps in becoming a Catholic, it was painful to leave behind the branch of the Christian faith that my family had embraced, as far as I can tell, for about four centuries. I didn't have a single living family member who was a Catholic. Many of my friends thought that I had lost my faith. Some probably thought I'd lost my sanity. So becoming a Catholic for me was not a mountaintop experience. Uh, it was the opposite. It was swimming against a very strong stream, but yet it was the right thing to do because the Catholic Church 
is the church that was founded by the Son of God, the incarnate second person of the blessed Trinity come to earth. It's his church, and I had no alternative but to pursue the truth that's in Catholicism. So I repeat my dilemma today of not having adequate words to express my feelings regarding the statue of Martin Luther that has been brought into the Vatican. I, I, I just don't have words to express my feelings for this act. But instead of expressing my thoughts and feelings, I might ask you to express yours. After this broadcast, you're welcome to send me an email at askthehost at gmail.com. And you can tell me what you think of bringing the statue of Martin Luther into the Vatican. I'd be interested in what you'd say. But before you even send me that email, I'm going to let Luther speak. Instead of me speaking about Luther, I thought it might be actually far more instructive to let Luther speak for himself. You know, Jesus said this. It's recorded for us in Matthew 12. Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man, out of his good treasure, brings forth good, and the evil man, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. That's Matthew 12, verses 34 to 35. Therefore, if you and I want to really know what Martin Luther thought and what he believed in his heart, we simply need to listen carefully to what he said. And so today I'm going to be sharing with you the content of a long out-of-print book. In fact, this book was written in the 1800s. Uh, it was kind of forgotten and as a new convert to Catholicism, a very kind assistant librarian at Christendom College knew that I had struggled with the Lutheran doctrines and Calvinistic doctrines and such. So he sent me this book. He photocopied it for me. It's entitled Luther's Own Statements Concerning His Teaching and Its Results from the Earliest and best editions of Luther's German and Latin works. Older books had longer titles, by the way. And this book uh, actually was uh, contained that I'm going to share with you in the Harvard Divinity School Library. And it's interesting, as you look at the very beginning of this book, the 12 bishops of England all endorsed this book, starting with Cardinal Newman himself, who described this book as something quite valuable. The Bishop of Birmingham said probably the best, quote, My own opinion has always been that the only way of rightly exposing that infamous man is by giving his own words from his authentic teachings. And that's what this book is I'm going to be sharing with you. But even better yet, after the show today, you can send an email to askthehost at gmail.com. Very easy to remember. And we're going to send you a PDF copy 
photocopy straight from this book that records Luther's own words taken directly from his both his Latin and his German works. And this is what I'm going to be sharing with you today. Because again, I couldn't come up with adequate words to describe how I felt about a statue of Martin Luther being given such a prominent place within the Vatican. But I think I just need to ask that question again of you. Should a statue of Martin Luther be given a place of honor in the Vatican? You know, at the very beginning of the Reformation, Luther professed his uh, obedience and submission to the Pope of Rome, but it didn't take long. Only about six and a half months after the Reformation launched, here we go. And I'm going to be quoting now from his own words, Luther in his own words. He says, quote, The true Antichrist, according to Paul, reigns in the Roman court. I think I am able to prove that he, that is the Pope, is now worse than the Turks, referring to the Muslims. Okay? So we start off. The Pope's the true Antichrist. The seat of the Antichrist is in Rome. And the Pope is worse than the Muslims. Okay? Should he have an honored place in the Vatican? You answer that. He goes on. The Pope is the mother of the devil. The Pope, the cardinals, and the whole Romish court and mob are nothing else but a stable full of big, coarse, stupid, disgraceful donkeys. The Pope, the cardinals, ought to be taken out, as they are blasphemers. Their tongues ought to be torn out through the back of their neck and nailed to the gallows. This is Martin Luther's own words that are often forgotten as we get into the commemoration of the Protestant Reformation, which was 499 years ago. Now, in addition to saying what he just did about the Pope and the Cardinals and the Roman Catholic Church, uh, denying, obviously, the infallibility of the Pope, Luther proclaimed his own authority and infallibility. He said, I am certain that I have my teaching from heaven. And this is just how certain he was. And I'm quoting Luther here. I will forever stick to such points as I have taught and will say, whoever teaches differently from what I have taught herein or condemns me for it, He condemns God and must be a child of hell. So if you disagree with Luther, you're a child of hell. Whoever does not accept my teaching cannot be saved, for it is God's and not mine. Therefore, my judgment is the same as God's. That's rather, um, (laughs) he didn't lack self-confidence, let's say that. Uh, Let's talk about Luther's approach to the Bible. Most people know about the epistle to James. He says this about that epistle. Therefore, I will not have him in my Bible, that's the epistle of James, in the number of truly principal books. I will not forbid anyone to place him and to keep him as he pleases. So in other words, Luther says it's okay, you can have James if you want, but He doesn't belong in my Bible. 
Luther also rejected the book of Revelation. He says this, I will not bind anyone to my opinion or judgment. I say what I feel. I find many things defective in this book so that I look upon it as neither apostolic nor prophetic. Christ is neither taught nor known in it. I find this astonishing. But leave it as it is. These are Luther's words about the book of Revelation. And then we come to perhaps one of the most important verses in all of the Bible for the Protestant Reformation. It deals with justification, that doctrine which Luther said the church either stands or falls regarding this doctrine. And in particular, it was from Romans chapter 3 and verse 28 that Luther emphasized so strongly, claiming that we are justified by faith alone. Not just by faith, but by faith alone. Now, I'm looking from at a very common English translation of Romans 3.28. I'm just giving you this as a background because we're going to go right to Luther's words on this. And this is from the Revised Standard Version shared by Orthodox, Protestants, and Catholics. It says this, We hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And you can go to any English translation of the Bible, Catholic, Orthodox, or Protestant today, New International Version, uh, you name it, New American Standard, the New English Standard Version, they'll all have a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. There isn't a single reputable English translation of any faith background that says we are justified by faith alone. So where did the word alone come from? This sola fide, faith alone, that became the, the watchword of the Protestant Reformation. Well, it came from Martin Luther, and this is what he says about it. If your papist makes much unnecessary fuss about the word sola or alone, Say straight to him, Dr. Martinus Luther will have it so, and says, Papists and donkeys are one and the same thing. Thus I will have it. Thus I order it. My will is reason enough. For we will not be the scholars or the disciples of the Papists, but their masters and judges. We must once in a way act a little haughtily and noisily with these jackasses. This is my answer to your first question. And as to their unnecessary noise about the word sola, I beg of you not to give those donkeys or any other further answer, but simply this much. Dr. Luther will have it so and says he is a doctor above all doctors in the whole of popery. This is how faith alone, this is where it came from, because it's not in the Greek or the Latin, but Luther put it in his German translation. So, 
Luther continues. Again, this is the key verse for the whole question of justification by faith. But as for you and our friends, I will give you my reasons for using the word sola, although Romans 3 did not use sola. But the donkeys look at my text, and I have said, I will have sola. And then Luther goes on. I knew very well that here, Romans 3, the word sola is not in the Latin and Greek text. And it was not necessary for the papists to teach me that. It is true, these four letters, S-O-L-A, sola or alone, are not in it. Which letters the jackasses look at as a cow looks at a new gate? (laughs) So, Let's go back to that question. Should a statue of Martin Luther be given a place of honor in the Vatican? Should we be celebrating the 499th and coming up the 500th anniversary of all this? Luther concludes his statements on Romans 3.28. He goes on for about 19 pages in the original on this. He says, therefore, It shall remain in my New Testament, that's the word alone, and if all the popish donkeys were to get mad and crazy, they will not get it out. And I just uh, insert a little something here. When you hear a Protestant speaker trying to convey to you uh, faith alone, and and I'll say to uh, my evangelical friends as well, don't fall for this trick. For instance, If a speaker says, we are justified by faith alone, Romans 3.28. If you turn in your Bible to Romans 3.28, you'll see it's saying we are justified by faith, but the word alone is not in there. And again, in print, uh, Protestant writers will say, we are justified by faith alone. And then they'll put in parentheses the scripture reference to kind of give authority to their statement, Romans 3.28. Turn to Romans 3.28. It doesn't say faith alone. This is very critical, and yet this has gone on for 499 years, and we're basically jackasses and donkeys to think that uh, putting a word into the New Testament and starting a new church based on the will of one man, I'm getting myself carried away. I got to stick with the words of Martin Luther, but still, this is, um, this is somewhat incredible. Um, Luther uh, basically changed marriage in the Western world, and I've done entire broadcast on this uh, three years after uh, the Protestant Reformation started in 1520, Luther put out a work and basically transferred the authority to govern and oversee marriage from the church to the state. He wanted authority to go to the growing power of the nation states who were opposing the Pope. And so one very effective way to do that is put marriage and when doing that, family life under the authority of the state. And right now, uh, we have in our country, the United States of America, the state regulates marriage and has declared that two homosexuals 
can form a valid legal marriage in the United States. This is the fruit coming from uh, cutting marriage off from the church and as a sacrament and making it a contract under the authority of the state. And when you do that, most Christians today are just simply trying to either change the Constitution or change the state. Pope Leo XIII had an encyclical on marriage that nails it. Uh, the problem isn't trying to change the state as much as trying to put marriage back where it belongs in the church. So we have some really big works to do. But one of the things that Luther did is permit, didn't encourage to be fair to him, but he permitted a man to take a second wife. There was a chancellor who wanted to have Luther's advice for a marriage to a second wife. In other words, his first wife is still living. And Luther writes, I confess that I cannot forbid a person to marry several wives, nor is it contrary to the Holy Scriptures. My goodness, how can he come up with that? But he says, but I should not like to see this kind of thing now for the first time introduced among Christians. So Luther's words saying, according to the Bible, having a second or a third wife or several wives is not contrary to the Scriptures, not recognizing that Jesus restored marriage to its original dignity and then elevated it to a sacrament. So that came from Martin Luther with a little commentary. So I cheated. I didn't keep all of Luther's words alone. We're going to go right back to his words. Let me just ask you a question. Do you ever wonder why such terrible anti-Semitism arose in Germany during the Nazis? Listen to this. This is what Martin Luther wrote about the Jews. Now, what are we Christians to do with this rejected, damned people, the Jews? I will give my honest advice. First, their synagogues or schools are to be set on fire, and whatever will not burn is to be covered and heaped over with earth, so that never again shall one find stone or cinder of them left. And this is to be done in order to honor our Lord and Christianity so that God may see that we are Christians. Mm. Second, their houses are likewise to be broken down and destroyed. Finally, their rabbis are to be forbidden under pain of capital punishment to teach any more. The Jews are to be entirely denied legal protection when using the roads in the country. What about Luther's attitudes towards Roman Catholics? Remember, this is the man whose statue is now being placed in the Vatican and given an honored position. Luther says, quote, All those that step in to defend the authority of the bishops, that's the Roman Catholic bishops, and are subject to them with willing obedience are the real servants of the devil. Nobody can be a papist without being at least a murderer, a robber, a persecutor. It is clear enough that they, that is the papist, are the Christians of the devil. Luther says that the bishops under the pope are, quote, wolves, tyrants, murderers of souls, and the apostles of Antichrist to corrupt the world. Again, I ask the question, So, should a statue of Martin Luther being given an honored place in 
the Vatican. Let's go and look a little bit at the results of Luther. Here's one. He says, Why do we not still more attack with every kind of weapon these teachers of perdition, these cardinals, these popes, and that whole abomination of the Romish Sodom, which without ceasing corrupts the church of God, why do we not wash our hands in their blood? Luther was calling here in 1520, this was 36 months after the Reformation began, uh, to the new rulers of these growing nation states that to take up the sword so that we can wash our hands in Roman Catholic blood. Well, I would like to hear from you. I couldn't find uh, words in my thesaurus to describe how I felt when I saw the statue of Luther standing in the Vatican. I just couldn't. So I've given you Luther's own words, and even maybe before you email me, and by the way, I encourage Protestants to request this. This is absolutely free. It's only a 61-page book, and it's Luther's own words, and you can get it by simply sending us an email to askthehost at gmail.com, and you can see exactly what Luther said. And, you know, I have many Protestant friends and family members, extensive numbers, and I don't know, and I've never met a single Protestant, nor have I ever read any contemporary Protestant or heard any contemporary Protestant preacher talk like this. I think that it's time, not for the sanitized look at Martin Luther, but the look at the real Martin Luther. And again, I come back to that scripture in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings forth good, but the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 142 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.